Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The stretch by Birdie and the pitch. And there's that breaking ball and appeal. And he rings him up for the strikeout and raised the Jolly Roger as Derek Shelton is doused with some bottled water from his players that are on the bench and some of his coaches as the Pirates win an impressive victory in the finale of this three-game series. Most impressive, the Pirates' bullpen as they defeat the Cardinals. Pirates 5, Cardinals 1. 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Brewers come back to win it. Final score, Milwaukee 6, Pittsburgh 5. 2-2 again. And a swing and a ground ball on to second. Might be two. On to short for one. Relay. Two. A double play. And the Pirates have won it. Adam Frazier with a big home run in the eighth. And Nick Birdie with his first major league save. With a 2-2 pitch. Swing and a pop-up on the infield. Third baseman comes in. Sogard makes the catch for the final out. And the Pirates are one hit tonight. One infield single. And they are shut out by the Brewers. All right, it's up to Tucker. Two base runners here. He swings and grounds one hard, but right to second base. Corner on the first. The ball game is over. Cubs take game one of the series. Craig Riley, Bucko Talk, 9 to 11 a.m. every Saturday. We're back. Week two. We made it two weeks, everybody. And that's something we're going to get into today. We made it a whole two weeks of talking baseball. Baseball being played for now. We'll see how long that continues. But week two, we're still here. We've got a lot we want to get to, but as we're going to open up every week, we'll take a look back at what happened in the past week, some good, some bad. Derek Shelton gets his first win. Good. Brewers comeback loss. Bad. Nick Birdie gets his first save. Good. Brandon Woodruff looks like one of the best pitchers in the history of baseball. Bad. And last night, the Pirates bats against the Cubs. Get things going late. But not a whole lot going still, and that's sort of where I want to open things up. You want to give us a call, 412-928-9370. That's the number. You can also text us at that number on the Edgar Snyder & Associates fan text line. Edgar Snyder & Associates reminds you to text responsibly. So the week that was, mostly for me it stands out like this. The bats aren't good. It's not surprising. I'm not sitting here telling you that, like, hey, guys, I got this great insight. I've crunched the numbers. I watch these games different than anybody else does, and these bats, let me tell you, not good. No, we know that. It's not surprising. We expected to see that. We expected the bats to struggle. But it's kind of okay for me that they're struggling. Now, who's struggling? Jacob Stallings, Gerard Dyson, matching 118 batting averages. That's not surprising. I think we saw that... Coming into this year, those guys are a lot of defense, not much offense. So I'm not shocked. I mean, if they're hitting 118 at the end of the year, that's not okay. There's still time to turn that average around for them, obviously. But I'm not shocked. Gregory Polanco is hitting 091. But he's recovering from testing positive for COVID-19. 
We know the offseason he had rehabbing from an injury. It seems like the guy can never just get his feet underneath him and get going. So I'm giving Gregory Polanco time. So I'm good. Call him a ran. 333, a 1260 OPS, a power bat like they didn't expect. Another home run last night. His fourth of the year already for Colin Moran. That's a big deal. If Colin Moran ends up becoming a real bat and the DH sticks around in both leagues, they got something in him. Either they can keep him or they can trade him. Either way, there's value to that guy they didn't expect. Cole Tucker was in the lineup last night in right field. Derek Shelton talked earlier this week with the Cook and Joe show about how they like him in the outfield already, that he's already translating to that. Now, the bat needs to play as well. He's hitting 273, super small sample size, but it's 273. So at least there's that. Now, this is where you dive off the cliff and things look really bad, and there's really no other way to put this. Kevin Newman is in a 1-for-20 slump to start the season. He's hitting .050. Brian Reynolds, .083. Josh Bell, .185. I mean, these are not good batting averages. Adam Frazier, 148. Zeros and ones when it's the first number I read in your batting average is really bad when you are the top of the lineup for your team. And last night, Frazier won, Newman two, Bell three, Moran was good at four, and Brian Reynolds at five. I'm okay with them not being good this year as a team. I'm okay with them getting a high draft pick and trying to build upon this franchise, this organization, and turn things around. I'm not okay with guys that are supposed to be the cornerstone of what they're building upon regressing like this, looking absolutely lost at times. Yes, this is a weird season. Yes, there's a million reasons it could be happening. Jason Mackey was on with us on the PM team yesterday and mentioned that Newman, with how much he's been out of the lineup, you have to wonder if he's healthy. But if he's healthy enough to play, which he obviously is, he can't be hitting 050. He can't be one for 20. That can't happen. If you're that hurt, you shouldn't be playing. But if you can play, you can't be that bad. These guys have plenty of time to turn it around. But before the season, I talked about how important these guys would be to not just this season. I'm not as worried about the win and loss record this year. I know it's not going to be good, and I'm fine with that. What this year is for me is a year of development. It's a year to show who's going to be the future of this team and who's not. And if you don't have Newman and Reynolds, you are set very far behind. You're very far away from where you thought you were going to be when you thought you had a shortstop and a left fielder that you were going to be able to pencil into the top of your lineup for, what, the next five years, this year included? If that's not the case, that's a problem. That is a real problem. Now, like I said, we'll see what happens. There's plenty of time for those things to turn around. I'm not ready to write them off at this point. But when I don't worry about wins and losses, I'm focused on individual performances. And I'd very much like to start to see those. Sheldon even admitted this past week, every Wednesday at noon, I'll keep telling you this because I think it's worth your time, it's one of the best interviews going, the Derek Shelton Show, every Wednesday, noon, the Cooking Joe Show, you want to be there. It's very good. It's very entertaining, and it gives us a real insight 
into who Derek Shelton the person is, but also the manager. Because we're still figuring out what kind of manager he is. He's figuring out what kind of manager he is. Shelton admitted this past week about the constantly changing lineup. It was the closest I have heard to anybody saying, hey, we're rebuilding. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. This is why you're seeing a different lineup every day. This is why you're going to see me run different guys out there. And it makes sense. He told the Cook and Joe show this week that they are going to put lineups together and they're going to look different maybe from day to day. That's what we've seen so far. And he said it's in part about they need to develop these guys. They need to see who can do what and where they can do it. One part of that I didn't like, uh, we'll talk about it a lot later on, was Eric Gonzalez getting to hit in the bottom of the ninth inning, though. Leading off an inning. Eric Gonzalez, I, we know what Eric Gonzalez is. Is he part of the future of this franchise? No. And Kevin Newman, that was a game where he was sitting on the bench. Again, if he's not healthy, maybe that's why they didn't use him. It'd probably help his cause with the way people are viewing his start to the season if they knew he was healthy. But they have to get more out of these guys like Kevin Newman. Eric Gonzalez, I don't need to see him leading off the ninth inning as you're trying to mount a comeback. Get him out. Manage games like they said they were going to, a sprint, not a marathon. And I'm not saying do it that way to win the games, because, again, I'm going to reiterate this point over and over and over again. Wins and losses, I am not as concerned with them this year. I came into the year with very little expectations on that front. So far, my expectations are being met. And that's okay. But manage the games and use these guys in ways they can develop as well. That would have been a great situation to have Kevin Newman come in and get to hit that way. Let him get to a point where he can feel out what it's like to maybe get brought in in a key situation and want to get a rally started. I would have liked to have seen that. We obviously did not. Good this past week. There's still more. The pitching front, Nick Birdie, the first career save. Derek Holland looked good. I've been telling you since spring, I was hopeful of Derek Holland. I was hopeful that Ben Charrington was going to show us with his first real move of bringing a guy in that he can pluck a guy and turn him into something because I think that's where Derek Holland's value is. I think that's where you bring in a guy like that, it costs you very little, you try and turn him around quick, and you flip him. Derek Holland providing leadership, we're seeing that. The whole getting thrown out of the game, chirping the umpire, trying to rally his guys. I like all that. So Derek Holland looked good in his first start as a pirate. Chad Cole returns from Tommy John. Has a good, and that was a weird one, because he's supposed to piggyback off Brawl at the rain delay. They bring him in. And I'll be honest with you, his first inning, I thought it was going to be bad. He was getting hit hard. Luckily, I was proven very wrong, and I'm fine with that. Chad Cole looked very good, settled in. Three and two-thirds he gives you this week, three hits, no runs, two walks, four strikeouts. I'm good with that. Derek Holland, five and two-thirds, two hits, two earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts, a home run. I'm good with that, especially if he's going to be a four or five starter for this team. Birdie, much-needed arm in the bullpen. Absolutely no, but no doubt about that. We had great fears about this bullpen coming into the season once we knew Keone Keller was gone as well. Thankfully, Nick Birdie has stepped up. Coming off that horrible injury last year, a surgery that removes a rib, 
He's overcoming a lot to get back. Chad Cole overcoming a lot to get back. These are the keys to the pitching side of things for this season. I need to see these guys take another step. Mitch Keller's going to go tonight. That, for me, Mitch Keller's development is the most important part of this season. So we'll see what he can do tonight as well. So that's how I'm viewing the season. Wins and losses, yeah, okay. Wins are great. Obviously, everybody likes winning way more than they like losing. But if they lose and they get a higher draft pick, not the worst thing in the world right now. And the way things are set up, the starting pitching, not great. It's okay. It's probably about what it should be. But it's not great. There's no number one starter. There's maybe not even a number two starter. But Mitch Keller could become that. That's important. That's what I want to keep seeing this week. Take your calls, 412-928-9370. You want to get in on the conversation. Uh, Let's talk about what you saw from the Pirates this week, what you liked, what you didn't like. One of the keys for me, that uh, something I did like, is that they played baseball. Games were played. I'm hoping that continues. I'm really hoping that continues. Rob Manfred sort of threatened, no, not sort of, he threatened the players yesterday. Hey, guys, figure it out or we're going to stop this season. They can't have the spread that they've had so far. They have local government officials apparently breathing down their neck now about guys high-fiving too much and spitting on the mound or spitting in the batter's box. All that sort of stuff that they said they didn't want to see, they're seeing it. That's where I want to go next. Your calls plus Rob Manfred's threat. And I'll tell you why I absolutely hate Rob Manfred, but don't think he's the only one to blame here. Craig Riley with Bucko Talk. We're here till 11 a.m. 412-928-9370. You want to call, your text, we'll take them. More Bucko Talk coming up next. Follow us on Twitter at 937TheFan, driven by Jim Shorkey Kia, Pittsburgh's number one Kia dealer. Shop all three locations at ShorkeyKia.com. Craig Riley back, Bucko Talk. We open up talking about the week that was. Not great. I mean, two and five on the season. Not really anything going with the bats call Moran that's your sort of highlight of the season so far with the bats but the key to me is we have baseball still I'm still in this frame of mind where I'm just sort of happy we have sports back that am I upset that they look this bad yes am I upset that guys I thought could be huge parts of the future and Kevin and Newman and Brian Reynolds are off to atrocious starts to the season yes I don't want to see that. I, I, I'm fine with the losing, but I need to see guys develop. But the key is I'm watching baseball. I'm watching sports. And then in comes Jeff Passan with a, feels like a Friday news dump. It came in at least at the time that a Friday news dump would happen, but it certainly wasn't that. Jeff Passan tweeting out all sorts of gloom and doom about the league being panicked. That they may not be able to keep playing this season. They may have to call it off. That's the Jeff Passon tweet basically yesterday. Summing it up for you, things aren't good, it better get better, or we're done here. That's pretty much Rob Manfred's message to the players. The Marlins, hugely to blame for the situation we're all in right now, that the league is sort of in jeopardy, if you're led to believe what Jeff Passon was tweeting about yesterday from Rob Manfred. They can't have these outbreaks They can't have guys high-fiving each other, still out on the field spitting, and not doing the social distancing and mask-wearing that they said they were going to do. The league's worried. Local government officials aren't happy. 
It's a recipe for disaster, and that's what leads to a Rob Manfred threat to the players. I think Rob Manfred stinks. I do not like Rob Manfred. I don't like the job he has done as commissioner of Major League Baseball, and I hate how he handled the league throughout the pandemic. That being said, I don't disagree with him here. I, I, I don't disagree with him. Now, he can't just put it all on the players and say, you guys need to get better, and if you don't, the season's done and it's all your fault. Because there's plenty of blame on his part and the rest of the league and everybody involved. Where I disagree with the players here, they were adamant they weren't going to do a bubble. Remember all the big names that were coming out and saying this isn't going to happen? Mike Trout never says anything. Mike Trout barely talks. Mike Trout has no personality. Mike Trout came out and said, I'm not doing that. I got a pregnant wife at home. I'm not going into a bubble and leaving. So the players put their foot down and said they weren't going to do a bubble. How's the bubble working out for everybody else? How's that working out for the NBA? Great. How's it working for hockey? They start playing tonight. There's not an outbreak where half a team's testing positive. It's not happening right now. What's going on with Major League Baseball? Uh, not much. 20% of the league didn't play yesterday because there's so many positive tests. Is that a big deal? Does that concern anybody? The league spent months arguing over money. The owners in the league said, we'll pay you this. The player said, no, we want that. And then they went back and forth slamming their own heads into the same wall for months and couldn't come to an agreement. Everybody got mad at Major League Baseball because they were arguing over money in a global pandemic when there were lines wrapped around buildings and down city blocks of people trying to get food. And they're there arguing about over millions and billions of dollars. It was a horrible look. But hey, they finally came to an agreement on that. And then they were like, oh yeah, yeah, 48 hours, we'll figure out this health thing. It'll be fine. So months on money, two days on how we're going to make this work amid a global pandemic. And you mean to tell me it didn't work out really well and there's problems? But they spent two days. They spent a whole two days planning out how to get everybody back safely. And that didn't work? Oh, I can't believe that. I, I, I just can't believe that spending a whole 48 hours didn't solve the health crisis. The Marlins are a major problem, and they show what can really happen when you don't do what you're supposed to do. They already came from the country's, what, number one hotspot? And then various reports of the players going out? If I'm the league, I'm punishing the Marlins. I'm taking something from them, and I'm making them feel the hit for jeopardizing the entire season. That's why we're at the point now that Manfred is threatening to shut down the season. It's not because guys are high-fiving and still spitting. Sure, local government officials aren't happy about that. That's fine. But that's not what's going to threaten to shut down the season. Losing, what was it, what were we up to, 17 or 18 people now in the Marlins organization? That's what's going to threaten to shut down the season. When you're shuffling the deck and moving teams, hey, you're going to go play over here. You're going to go play over there because we can't have anybody around this team. The Marlins are taking a bus from Philly back to Miami to try and get their players back. That's what's going to shut down a season. I don't know what the right punishment is. 
I would take I'd take their first round draft pick from them at least something like that something punitive something that they're going to feel an organization that's trying to build and they don't want to spend money by going out and buying players okay how are you going to get better you're going to draft well and develop those players okay your first round pick's gone thanks for je- jeopardizing the entire season for everyone if that's what they find out that the players went out and didn't do what they were supposed to do then they deserve to be punished. I see the NFL put out a list for their players of all sorts of things they can't do. You can't go to this place. You can't go to that place. You can't go here. You can't go there. That's the way this is going to have to be done if it's going to work. And you got the Marlins players apparently just going out and doing whatever they want. And then they tested positive. Isan Diaz, a player at the Marlins, last year, 2019, he was their seventh top prospect in their system. He's been with the team to start this year. He's now thinking, you know what? I don't think I'm going to keep doing this. They put him on the restricted list this morning. That tells me he probably opted out. And that's fine. I'm totally fine if guys want to opt out. But the team deserves that. When they didn't handle their business and a player looks around, and that's what tells me something went on with the Marlins that should not have happened. They went out. They did stuff they weren't supposed to. When one of their own guys looks at that situation and says, you know what, screw this. I'm out of here. 48 hours, that's what Major League Baseball basically spent. And I know they negotiated it, and they talked about it before that. It's not like they just threw the whole thing together in 48 hours. But they spent all that time arguing money, and then when they finally came to that agreement, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we're close on the health stuff. We'll figure it out. I didn't hear a whole lot about the health side of this throughout those negotiations. I heard everybody wanted to get paid. I heard that they didn't want a certain number of games, and one side wanted a certain number of games. They wanted expanded playoffs. Then they didn't. Now we have them again. I heard all that. I didn't hear these grandiose plans of how they were going to keep people healthy and keep this season going. So, no, I'm not shocked that we're, what, a week and a half into this. And already the worst commissioner in sports is threatening his players that if they don't clean it up, they're going to shut it down. Blame all around for every last one of them. That's where I stand. So, yes, am I frustrated that the Pirates' bats look anemic The bullpen stinks, sure. But you know what? I have baseball. You take that for me, I'm really going to lose my mind. So then I don't even get to watch the team that I'm not expecting to win games. Develop players. That's what I want to see this year. And I'm going to lose that then, too? Because the league can't keep their players from going out? They can't keep people healthy? They can't figure out how to operate under this system? It's 9.33 in the morning on a Saturday, and I've already lost my mind. Hey, thanks, Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball. And like I said, I keep saying Manfred. I blame the players for this, too. They didn't want to do the bubble. And that's their right. But you reap what you sow. This is how you wanted to do it, and it's not going great. Just remember, this is what you guys wanted. You wanted your money, and you wanted to be able to come and go. You didn't want to do the bubble. Hey, that's good enough for the NBA and the NHL. Why wasn't it good enough for Major League Baseball? Working out great for the other leagues. I was betting on Korean baseball. I was betting on Spanish and German soccer. Those leagues didn't shut down. There was never a real threat from the people running those leagues that they needed to fix things and get it going again. Why is Major League Baseball in this situation then? Poor leadership and terrible decision-making by the players. Blame all around. Every last one of them. All right, we'll take your calls. 412-928-9370. We'll go out now. What do we have? Luke on the cell? Is that right, Matt? Is that an old one? Okay, uh, Joan Penn Hills. That one? All right. 
Joe in Penn Hills. Hey, Joe. Greg, I loved it, babe. I loved it, Vin. You did a great job, Thanks. just like me. Thank you. I'm sure you're feeling the same way, right? I mean, uh, how can you not be frustrated I, by this? I, if we could talk an hour just at a bar and BS, I'd go. I'm 76, and this is a proud organization, the Pirates. And yep. I'm watching um, High Heat last week as the season was starting. It was on last Friday. And uh, the, the guy says, there's, there's the San Francisco Giants and the Pittsburgh Pirates are triple A teams. And he said, it's disgusting what's going on in those two cities. And even Baltimore was involved, too. But the thing is, 28 years we've had seven playoff games, and everybody's still optimistic. I'm 76, like I told you, Craig, and I seen the Reeking Dinks in 1952, and they were 42 and 112. I was a young boy, but there was only 16 teams. That roster was better than this roster, and I just feel so bad, like we have that commissioner who I can't stand, nutting who I don't know if we're ever going to get another playoff game with the way he runs with his cheapness. And I just wanted to vent to you, and I'm just disgusted. I get a score now. I smile. I turn it off. It's just not a major league city anymore, and I don't know what's going to develop here in Pittsburgh with Manfield and nutting buddies and the way baseball, everybody makes a profit, but they don't care about us fans, Craig. Joe, I appreciate the call as always. Thank you. Uh, about the Pirates roster, it, it is what it is. Now, here's where I keep going back to, and I've said it all off season as well. They needed to just come out and say it was a rebuild. Fans around here are smart. They obviously see what's going on, but they'll also understand if you tell them that's what's happening. Milwaukee's owner, uh, was it, a few years ago, writes a letter to his fan base. Hey, this isn't going the way we thought it was going to. We're going to strip it down, but I'm telling you, we're going to turn it around and we're going to do it quickly. You know what? Their fans stayed on. They stayed on board because they were open and honest with them and told them what was happening. If you don't want to tell people this is a rebuild and you want to run out as much as everybody likes him, Jacob Stallings is your starting catcher. John Ryan Murphy is the backup. And sure, you can tell me Luke Maley got hurt. John Ryan Murphy wasn't supposed to be the backup. Luke Maley's not very good either. He has no bat. None. Stallings and Dyson, what I tell you, they were hitting a, they're hitting both 118 this year. That would have been Luke Maley. Defensively, sure, he's good. But that's not major league catching depth. That's not a, Stallings is fine. Stallings is good. Relative to what you're asking him to do right now. Overall, I'm not going to say he's a good player. Everybody loves Jacob Stallings. There's going to be plenty of people that hate me for saying this because he's a nice guy, and I like Jacob personally too. But he's not a number one catcher. You look around the rest of the team, Phillip Evans is getting significant run for this team right now. I, I would guarantee the first time people heard the name Phil Evans in a spring game this year, they said to themselves, who the hell's that? Andrew Filipponi is a lifelong Mets fan. I mentioned to him about Phil Evans, and he said that. I had to say, Andrew, he played for the Mets and was so unspectacular there, you don't even remember him. Guillermo, uh, Guillermo Heredia, Gerard Dyson, these are not guys that are starting on major league teams that are looking to win games. What the Pirates did was they brought in defensive help so that their pitchers didn't get hung out to dry all the time. They brought in Dyson so they had a real center fielder so that balls weren't dropping into the gaps and their pitchers, who they're worried about developing and is a big part of this season... They didn't have to watch that happen. It's not the type of major league roster you're going to expect to see of a team that's going to compete. 
And that's not what I think they were set up for. I just wish they would have come out and said that. Take more of your calls, 412-928-9370. I've already given you the week that was. I've already got all of my Rob Manford hate off my chest. And now I want to tell you about my favorite player of the week coming up next. This brought a smile to my face and a, a true joy I experienced watching one player this week in particular. He's not a pirate. You're going to want to hear more about this guy coming up next. Craig Riley with Bucko Talk. More still to come here on The Fan. The Fan Hotline is brought to you by the Workers' Compensation Law Firm of Hall & Capitas. You can get in on that line at 412-928-9370. Craig Riley here with Bucko Talk. And I need to take some time here to give you my favorite player of the week. I think this is going to become a weekly segment. I look around baseball, guys that stood out, you really enjoyed watching them. I also have a feeling for me, each week, it's going to be whoever threw at the Astros. Because that's what inspired this segment. And it's going to become an appreciation of Joe Kelly, Dodgers pitcher. I'm glad someone didn't forget that the Astros cheated. Because... They have really benefited from this time off. They have really benefited from the fact that everything that's going on in the world overshadows the fact that they cheated like crazy. And Rob Manfred, again, uh, the worst commissioner in sports, how he took that title away from some of the stiff competition he had is impressive. But that's where we are. The worst commissioner in sports didn't suspend any of them. Ah, you guys talked to me. You told me what happened. That's fine. We're good. Go ahead. Go back out there and play. I'm sure it'll be fine, says Rob Manfred. Ah, no, baseball doesn't police itself, does it? Is that how baseball's always worked? You guys sort of try and handle your own stuff? No. You guys will be fine. Go play. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for telling me you cheated like crazy. We're good. And they didn't think that something was going to happen? They didn't think... A maniac like Joe Kelly was going to take the mound and just throw it, guys. And this wasn't a situation where the game was out of hand and he's like, ah, you know what? This stinks. I'm, I'm going to send my message here. I'm going to throw at these guys. He got, I think the first batter he threw at, he was behind 3-0 in the count. So that's sort of an obvious one. I don't think anybody was on at that point. It's like, all right, I'm going to throw at this guy. Screw him. And he did. That's fine. But then when they were up, three runs at that point, and Joe Kelly just kept throwing at people, it became a work of art to me. I absolutely loved it. Him and Carlos Correa go at it. Have you seen the, the video of it? Have you seen the memes? The Joe Kelly telling him, boo-hoo. Carlos Correa wanted to throw in his fastball. He ended up striking Correa out, which was the best part of it. And then Correa's yelling at him, like, throw me your fastball. And Joe Kelly's like, no, I'm just going to throw at you, and then I'm going to strike you out too. I'm going to mock you as I go off field. <laughs> Poor Carlos Correa. And Carlos Correa might be the biggest jerk of them all in my eyes. He at least exhibits all of the characteristics of a jerk. I'll put it that way. So Joe Kelly takes it upon himself to throw at the Astros, and I loved it. There has been a lot of talk about was he headhunting, and you should never throw at somebody's head. I agree. You don't throw at a guy's head. I don't think Joe Kelly tried hitting anyone in the head. I think Joe Kelly doesn't have the best control in the world. Not saying that he didn't throw at them on purpose. He absolutely did. But I think Joe Kelly hates the Astros and wanted to send a message. And he was successful. And I appreciate him for it. Now, I want to talk about the suspension Joe Kelly's facing. But before we do that, Matt Clement joins the Fan Morning Show every week. 
And he joined them after the Joe Kelly, not beanball, because he didn't really hit anybody, the beanball wars, whatever you want to call it, him throwing at all those Astros players, and talked about throwing at guys. Let's hear that now. You, know, you asked me a couple weeks ago about the Astros Dodgers, and that sure heated up last night. Joe Kelly, I was just reviewing that before I got on. Joe Kelly went after Correa and Bregman and wasn't afraid to talk about it. So I, I, I guess it's on and that. It, it didn't disappear, that's for sure. Well, yeah, and Jim and I talked about it. We got into it a little bit earlier, talking about how nobody can be surprised that the Astros got thrown at. And Bregman, I thought, did the right thing, took his equipment off, walked down to first base after ball four, whizzed behind his head. But Correa was upset. Dusty Baker was chirping at Kelly from the Astros' dugout. That was clearly heard on one of the broadcasts. Uh, The Astros don't really have a leg to stand on if they want to complain, but I do understand Jim's point that he made earlier, Matt, about that thing whizzing about six inches behind Bregman's head, too. Well, Joe Kelly's throwing, you know, triple digits almost. And, and, you know, the the protocol of throwing at people has always been don't throw at their head. And those both went flying by over and behind people's heads. I give Bregman a lot of credit, although they don't really have a leg to stand on with all this. I'm not surprised my former manager, Dusty, went, I can't wait to see that. I didn't catch that part of Dusty, what he had to say. I can't wait to see that end of it because I can't even imagine what he was saying. And it's definitely he, NSFW, not safe for work, Matt. But when you get a chance, look it up on Twitter. I tweeted it out earlier. Because he's, uh, you know, he's so old school in that and being a former batter. He's not. He's, and he's number one manager in the league. He's going to stick up for his dudes. And, um yeah, I mean, it, it sure brought the excitement quick. I'm anxious to see what the league does because, you know, there's all these protocol about what to do. And the amazing thing, too, you got in a 60-game season, it was a 5-2 game with base runners. You know, it wasn't like he did it in a 10 nothing game or whatever. That shows, that shows how the scar is still there from what happened, and it probably won't ever go away when you're talking about costing a World Series potentially in their minds. And that was, that was, that was downright hardcore for, for, uh, for, the first time out there in a game when everybody's like, well, they're going to forget about it. There's, there's protocol with the COVID where you can't fight and everything else. It was, it, it's sure exciting to see all the, the action. It got MLB on the, on the map real quick. That's good stuff from Hackleman. I like that. And he mentioned costing teams World Series. Joe Kelly was part of a Red Sox team that feels like they were robbed by the Astros. So he's still getting his pound of flesh for them. I like that. I like it a lot. And again, can't throw guys' heads, but like Matt said, I mean, they really don't have a leg to stand on. You want to cheat? You want to pay the price? I mean, that's it. That's what's going to happen. I'm fine with it. Matt did say he was anxious to see what the league does. League suspended Joe Kelly eight games. Joe Kelly appealing it. Still pitching right now. We'll see what happens. But eight games. That's eight more games than an Astros player got suspended for cheating. Eight games in a 60-game season. How do they not the, – the big term we heard all offseason was prorate. We want our prorated salaries, prorated this, prorate that. How do the suspensions not become prorated? An eight-game suspension is an eight-game suspension in a 162-game season. But in a 60-game season, how do you not scale that down? Now – Maybe Rob Manfred thought, okay, I'm going to hit him with a big suspension because I'm going to stop this. I'm not going to let guys throw at these Astros players. I'm going to protect these cheaters because that's what he's done every step of the way so far. He's gone out of his way. He lets them keep playing. 
you know what? I don't think it's going to stop people. I, I don't. I think guys hate those Astros players so much and how cocky they were after talking about this. And Carlos Correa saying, you don't know what really happened. You're, you weren't in that clubhouse. Carlos Correa is my number one. If I stepped on the mound, Craig Riley, major league pitcher, and I'm facing that Astros team, and say it's another guy like Joe Kelly who feels like he was cost a World Series because of their cheating. If I'm in that situation, you better believe I'm throwing at those guys. I know an eight-game suspension is looming. I'm throwing at Carlos Correa. I'm absolutely doing it. For a league that has always been about policing themselves, the players handle their own business, that's, that's why you throw at guys, that's why you do these things, you're policing it yourself. That's going to keep happening. And every week when I bring you my favorite player of the week here on Bucko Talk, it's probably going to be whoever threw at the Astros that week, and I'll give you a detailed breakdown of exactly how they did it. Because I think it's warranted, and I'm totally fine with it. I'm just glad guys haven't forgotten what happened. And they're still mad about it to the point that they're going to do this. Big fan. Big Joe Kelly fan over here. Appealing the suspension, I hope it gets knocked down. I don't think the guy deserved a game. I think he did a favor to baseball by going after those players. He did the favor to baseball that Rob Manford didn't do by offering a real punishment. Bucko talk has somehow morphed into Rob Manford terrible commissioner talk. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Don't worry. Still another hour to come in Bucko talk. I got plenty. I got plenty of Pirates talk still to come here for you. What we learned about Derek Shelton, we're going to get into that. Josh Bell being way out ahead of things when he talked this offseason about the pandemic and how teams that avoid it the best are going to put themselves at a competitive advantage. Boy, that looks pretty smart now. We're going to get into what to expect this week from the Pirates. Still plenty to come. But I could not in good conscience talk baseball and not bring to you an appreciation of Joe Kelly and what he did. And I know people are going to be mad, and they're going to say, Craig, he threw at their heads. You can't do that. I don't think he threw at their head to hit them in the head. I think he threw behind them. I think Joe Kelly's wild. Obviously, he's wild as a person. The whole boo-hoo, mocking them as he came off the field. Loved it. Big, big Joe Kelly fan. So thank you to Joe Kelly for being my favorite player of the week. Thank you for doing what Major League Baseball wouldn't do to the Astros players. And thank you for showing Major League Baseball the error of their ways and what's going to happen to those players they protected. They didn't want to suspend them. Go ahead, put them on the field. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to be eating a bunch of pitches this year, just as they should. I got no problem with that, and I'm not going to sit here and let anybody forget about what the Astros did and how despicable it was and what a stain it left on the game. Major League Baseball, okay, we're just going to sweep this over here. Ah, you'll forget about that. Let's say, everybody, play ball. We're back. Great. Nope. The Astros are still a bunch of cheaters, and they deserve everything they get this year. And I'm fine with it. And Joe Kelly, thank you. Thank you for what you did. More Bucko Talk still to come. Like I said, we're getting back into the Pirates the last hour. I got a lot I want to get to. Each week, I want to talk about what we're learning about Derek Shelton. Because here's the deal. What do we really know about Derek Shelton, the manager? I spent two weeks down at spring training earlier this year and got to figure out what Derek Shelton, the person, was like. Really, I'm a really, really big fan of that guy. I really like Derek Shelton, the person. We're, what, a handful of games into the season? I still don't know who exactly Derek Shelton, the manager, is. I don't think Derek Shelton knows who Derek Shelton, the manager, is. 
So each week we're going to take a look at some things Derek Shelton did on the field and things he said post-game and his interview with the Cooking Joe, all that, and try to figure out who exactly the new Pirates manager is and what he's all about when it comes to how he's going to run a team. We knew at the end we didn't like how Clint Hurdle ran things. This guy's not available because he pitched this many days. We're going to shower well, all that sort of stuff. But we knew that, and you knew who Clint Hurdle was when he came in here because he had a bunch of major league managing experience. So up next, what we learned about Derek Shelton this week. That's what I'm going to bring to you, and I think there were some really enlightening moments that can tell us a lot about him.